What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of On the Power Play. It's me, your boy, Brian, uh, joined only by my fabulous co-host, Adam, as Matt is uh, is dealing with a, a viewing that he is at right now. So our thoughts are with Matt and whoever else is uh, struggling with that. Um, our thoughts are with you guys. That is uh, that is it. Uh, also, you would think I have been on a really good kick and I don't want to hear any <laughs> any kerfuffle about it. OK, the, I, I forgot it again. Ooh. I've been on a good run, though. I've been on a good run, but I, I got to start scrolling now. Well, I know what's second. funny. What? I was thinking about what number we are on and trying to figure out who the player was going to be earlier today. Uh, you should have said something. <laughs> Damn it. All righty. What episode is this? 49? This is episode 48. Oh, all right. I was right. Scott Young. Uh, Scott Young had a lengthy career in the NHL spanning 16 seasons. He finished his career with 757 points and having won two Stanley Cups with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Colorado Avalanche, respectively. Episode Scott Young for you folks. And uh, we're we're coming increasingly close to the... uh, 50 one the one year mark the 50 that too i don't know i don't know how many weeks we skipped i'd have to look back we might have been doing this for a year by now i don't know uh Um, uh, no i think our one year date is december 11th 17th oh you remember our anniversary adam listen that's so cute the other day you're so cute that's adorable really i try man i have a (laughs) lot going for me so um all right well we got a jam-packed episode here whole bunch of stuff going on in the nhl but we're gonna start with kind of an overview of how the divisions look right now kind of discuss how they look so we're gonna start in the east with the atlantic division uh so basically i'm gonna call this the florida division true because uh tampa bay and the florida panthers are just going to own this division with uh you know the Leafs falling somewhere in the top three. You want to uh, get right. my spicy hot take? Bro? I would love your spicy hot take. Uh, Florida wins the cup. Now that, my friend, is definitely spicy. That's a bold take this early in the year. It is, but I look at it this way, and I, I feel like I have a kind of weird track record personally in my life of calling these things. Uh, the last time I did it, I had... And this is going to sound weird, I know, but bear with me. I was playing MLB The Show. Playoffs, the Blue Jays had a 17-game inning. And I said, the winner of this game is going to go on to win the series. Is going to go on to win the World Series. I lost, and the team I lost to went on to win the series and won the World Series. Now, circle back. Okay. Who, who, who was the undefeated teams that just recently played? That would be the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes. Who won that game? The Florida Panthers. So there you go. Florida Panthers won the Stanley Cup. However, the Florida Panthers have just suffered their first loss. Hey, they still are going to win the Cup. That is true. Uh, but their first loss did end up coming at the hands of the New York Rangers, who we'll get into. Yeah, um, a, we don't, yeah, we don't they, like the Rangers around here. No, we don't like the Rangers around here at all. But... <laughs> Um, right now, that division, uh, the top three is the Florida Panthers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Big shock. 
Um, and in that fourth spot is the Detroit Red Wings. That is actually a shock. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I just didn't see, like, I knew they got Nadelkovich, and I knew that was going to be a big key. I did not see them being able to score the way they're scoring and no. also have the goaltending to back it up at the same time. Sure, they have a negative five goal differential, but it's a lot better than a lot yeah. of teams in this league. Um, because not everybody can have the Panthers 21 goal differential. Jesus. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh 50 goals for 28, uh, 29 goals against. Excuse uh, me. The guy the guys are playing is coming together, man. I don't know what to tell Dude, you. Stevie Y. Jesus. Um so, yeah, that's how that looks right now, and I think that that checks out to me. The only anomaly in this division is that the Sabres are in fifth. <laughs> yeah. That's weird. That's odd. Did not see that happening at all, uh, just because we, we had them coming into this year just as an entire suck fest. I think we all agreed that that was how it was going to break down. Right now, they're 5-5-2. Five, five and two. Which, is there something to the to the maybe the story that like they had no expectations coming into the season, so they could do whatever the hell they want, and now they're gonna Vegas Golden Knight the Atlantic Division? Dude, it does hold. I I firmly believe that that has something to do with this. They were like, "Fuck it, let's just play hockey." I mean, what's the worst that could happen? Everybody was right. Then you know we did exactly what we were supposed to do, but now they're not a dumpster fire. They're just a fire, mediocre. <laughs> ah, which that. honestly for the sabers right now mediocre is impressive with that roster it's like isn't it still the lowest payroll in the league uh i can find out it might be i'm pretty yeah, sure it is but uh, where i'm kind of uh preluding the next conversation coming up but when a certain deal happened they actually had to go and make a completely nothing deal just to reach the cap floor so exactly. yeah so they they are they're spending money just to be at league minimum for the cap, which is ridiculous. Million. They have seventeen point six million in cap space right now. They have that, and they are above the Boston Bruins in the standings. Yeah, just let that let that resonate. Also, as we speak right now in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one on November 9th, <laughs> the Buffalo Sabers are ahead of the Boston Bruins in the standings by two points. That's a whole win. They have more than the, than the Boston Bruins. Now, now <laughs> Buffalo has played 12 games. Boston's only played nine. That has something to do with this, but I just like saying it. I really enjoy saying that. Out I, yeah, that checks out. It makes me happy. I'm not going to lie to you. It, it gives me the, the feel-good goosebumpies all over my body. Um, <laughs> I hate it. I know you, you never do. I know you do. I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. Um, no. <laughs> so that division by no means is settled. Uh, I do expect as we get to the end of November for this to kind of even itself out, the Bruins will play more games. They'll probably be up towards the top again. The Red Wings might cool off. They might not. I don't know. Um, the Sabres might stay mediocre, drop down to the seventh, uh, the seventh spot in the division, just as a general idea. Um, but that's kind of what I'm seeing out of this division. Uh, how about you, Adam? What like any uh, anything worth noting? Not necessarily. Um, I think Boston will definitely make that kind of rebound. They'll be in that hunt. I think for that fourth place spot. I feel like top three, unless like. 
Toronto has like something catastrophic happen again where they just cool down. They, they can't get their offense going. I think they're the top three are going to stay pretty much in check. Uh, I'm sticking by my spicy hot take that Florida wins the cup. Mm, very spicy, very spicy. Give it, give it to Jumbo. I, you just really want Jumbo Joe to win a cup, don't you? Ah, uh, yeah. I respect it, actually. I respect it. I mean, I can't, um, I can't root for Marlo. He's not on a team, so I kind of have to pass my allegiance to Jumbo. Yeah, I'm giving no Stanley Cup predictions at this point just because you, you know how it goes for Brian with predictions. It never works out. So I'm giving no Stanley Cup predictions at this point. Uh, to keep in the East, the Metropolitan Division also bolstering one of the best teams in the league with the Carolina Hurricanes in first place, 9-1-0. and Ridiculous but moving forward um the the way that this division looks right now statistically speaking this isn't just an opinionated follower of the metropolitan division statistically speaking it is the best division in hockey last place the last place pittsburgh penguins are two wins away from being in fourth place and they sit at 11 points yeah, this is going to be a tight division, Cole. So right now, this is how it stands. Carolina Hurricanes, first place. New York Rangers, second place. There is, uh, There was last night, but the Capitals did end up getting a win. The Washington Capitals are in third place. Right now, there is a two-way tie for fourth place between those Columbus Blue Jackets and the Philadelphia Flyers in, I guess that would be considered sixth, yes, because there is no fifth. Uh, sixth place, New York Islanders, 12 points. The They are tied with the New Jersey Devils, who are also at 12 points, and the last place Pittsburgh Penguins at 11 points. Holy hell. Yeah. Not one team in this division is below 500. It's, it's scary. And this is when you consider the fact a team like Pittsburgh was without basically an entire PP1 for the first like half of their season, and they're still above 500. Kind of scary. You got OV who, again, you know, preluding to a later conversation, going kind of crazy. Uh, the Flyers doing what they're going to do. Rangers going to do what they're going to do. Carolina, I feel like, is almost kind of like the dark horse. Like, we all kind of wrote them off when they didn't keep Hamilton, they didn't keep Nadalkovich, but they're still finding a way to, like, push through. Yeah, they don't miss either of those guys right now. They're doing perfectly fine. Uh, especially with that goaltending duo they have. Back I was going to say, who is that? It's Ranta and it's uh, Ranta and oh, I'm blanking right now, and I, I'm pretty sure he's like the main guy right now. Carolina. This is really embarrassing because it's a goalie thing. It's usually where I shine. Oh Jesus um, Christ, Freddie Anderson. Yeah, it's Freddie. Right, I forgot the, the Toronto, How? the Toronto throwaway because Toronto blamed everything on Freddie Anderson. Like Toronto does. Toronto blames everything on everybody. They'd like to ignore the lack of defense they have. Um, so, yeah, they blamed it all on Freddie Anderson because uh, that's what Torontonians do. So they didn't bring him back. And Carolina was like, come on in. We know you're good and we won't run you out of the city. Um, so, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> ridiculous stuff going on in the Metro division. I can't even make a prediction as to how this is going to shake out. I have no, no idea. I have, I have no, no idea because I, I, as a Flyers fan, I will admit I was very pessimistic about this season. 
I didn't know what we were going to get. What we ended up getting was, as far as our, our signings are concerned, Ryan Ellis unfortunately hurt, but still has four points through three games played. Cool. Uh, Keith Yandel, he's there and he exists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rasmus Ristolainen, do not go in the corner against this. I, anybody that goes into the corner against Rasmus, Rasmus Ristolainen has already signed their will and is giving things to their family because he bodies every single one of them. He doesn't go for the puck battle. He goes to remove you from the puck, which he does, and then take it. He removes you, and he takes the puck. And, uh, oh, yeah, that, that guy that the uh, the Sharks gave us, that Martin Jones, sporting a 3-0 record right now with a sub-2 right goals now. against average and a 950 save percentage. I don't know, man. It's if I want to be honest, he's almost putting on his Sharks year one style of play, is what it almost seems like early on. I was about to bring that up to you because kind of later in his years with the Sharks, he was playing really far out from the crease, really trying to cut back on those angles, and everything was getting behind him as far as passes were concerned. And there was nobody there. Right now, he's playing so deep in his net, I think it's the 90s all over again. he's it's like he's not even bothering cutting off any angles but he's just seeing puck saving puck keeping it really simple like very minimal movement it's actually kind of crazy i'm looking at he joined the sharks in the 15 16 season sporting a uh 2.27 goals against 0.918 save the goals against progressively got worse and worse the longer he stayed in san jose and I don't, I kind of bizarre to look the, at. And you can look at the goaltending coach thing. Kim Dillabaugh came back, uh, which was originally his coach when he was with the Kings in his first year with the Sharks. There's something to that, apparently, because it, it's like his entire goaltending style has changed back to when he was younger. He's playing very deep in his net, very reactionary. He's not going to move until you do, and he's not going to move till the puck does. But he always ends up catching up to it, which is fascinating because he's not cutting off any angles. Either way, I'm not going to harp on flyer stuff, but either way. That surprises me that they are in fourth yeah. place and playing as well. as Oh, I also forgot to bring up Cam Atkinson. Oh, Excuse yeah. me, sir. <laughs> he is a national treasure, and I would, uh, I would die for Cam Atkinson. Um, I would. I, I want a Cam Atkinson jersey so bad. It, it's just he's an angel. And I, I, I think I love him. I think I do. Santa, if you're listening, please provide our little boy Bing with a Cam Atkinson jersey. Hey, Santa. <laughs> hey, Santa. Santa. <laughs> it's like I didn't leave Walmart. Exactly. Are they playing Christmas music already? Yes. Oh, hell no. Oh, every, hell no. Every three songs is a Christmas song. It's, I would shoot myself. Um, all right, so move to the Western Conference in the Central Division. You know, this one is pretty tight up top, and the farther you get down, the worse it gets. Um, and it gets confusing a little bit. The top three teams aren't where I'm super confused. It's the Wild, the Blues, and the Jets um, sitting at the one, two, three spot. The fourth spot confuses the hell out of me. The Nashville Predators 
only one point behind being in the top three. Uh, and then it gets it gets weirder because it goes stars avalanche with 10 and nine points respectively. The avalanche right now have a four, five, and one record. And I'm sitting here wondering, are they really missing Philip Grubauer that much? Well, I think they're, if I remember correctly, isn't Darcy Kemper out hurt? Yeah, Kemper's out hurt. And I think, what is it? Pavel Francouz? Francou? Francou sounds Francou, right. yeah. Pavel Francou is, is who their backup is. And obviously it's not going super well. They're at a negative six goal differential. Oof. And a four, five, and one record. It, it's weird because the as far as we all thought, the Avs were just going to run away with this division and worry about the playoffs basically all year. And the exact opposite is happening. And uh, at the bottom of the division, Oof. we know the two dumpster fires, the Blackhawks, the Coyotes. Um, a quick note. Blackhawks are surprising to me. The Blackhawks are surprising to me as well, but also you have to take into account all the shitstorm that's happening in the yeah, organization. This is true. Um, which we will get into a little bit later. There is new news on that. Um, but speaking of the Coyotes, I want to get into a little anomaly here. Um, oh, yes. That was, that was located. I love this. Um, it, it, it might be one of my favorite things. So Scott Wedgwood, not necessarily a, an overbearing goaltender. He's not going to you know, shock you by any means. He's pretty pedestrian as all things would be considered. Uh, let me look at his stats real quick. Um, yeah, so we're pretty pedestrian over the last, you know, two Ooh. seasons or so. Uh, 311 goals against, 319 goals against, sporting a 900 save percentage and an 880 save percentage. Um, however, in the 2017-2018 season, he was picked up off waivers by the Arizona Coyotes from the New Jersey Devils. And uh, that season, the Coyotes started 0-10-1. And, and Scott Wedgwood came in and got them their first win, and they moved on from there. Now, in 2021-2022, in the Coyotes started 0-10-1. They pick up Scott Wedgwood off waivers from the New Jersey Devils, and he comes in and gets their first win for them. I don't, I don't know what, what is going on with Scott Wedgwood and the Arizona Coyotes, but he is like their, their fix-all. It's like, you want to know what? If we really need a win, if we go to 10 losses, we're just going to continuously pick up Scott Wedgwood off waivers <laughs> from the Devils again. And, That's uh, even better. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get that win, and it's going to be great. I don't, I don't understand it. Am I crazy? But, or aren't there players that actually perform better for certain teams than other teams? Like, oh, for sure. Thing? Yeah, that is an absolute thing. I wonder if that's what we're, we're seeing, is that for whatever reason, Scott Wedgwood performs better for the Arizona Coyotes, but the Coyotes just don't want to see it, and they just constantly give him away. See, you could say that if you wanted to. However, in that in that season where he was an Arizona Coyote in 17-18, he played 20 games, had a 345 goals against, and a 893 save percentage. So what you do is you play him every 10 games, and you'll be fine. You, pr you play him every 10 losses, you get that yeah. win, and you move forward. So what? That's <laughs> like what? Eight starts? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think what is even more impressive is that 
he went uh he went on to have a two goals against and a 931 save percentage making 27 saves on 29 shots little bit of a good showing from Scott Wedgwood who like i said has been pretty pedestrian the last couple of years kind of having stints in the AHL back to the NHL so on and so forth but good for Scott Wedgwood I, yeah. I like to see guys getting second chances, and that is exactly what he's getting. Uh, however, the Coyotes stink. Suck. They're just, oh, they're terrible. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> hey, at least they have a first-round pick. They actually have three. They have three first-round picks uh, coming up, so maybe that team will look better next year. Who knows? Uh, but moving into the final division, the Pacific, right now that sits with Oilers, Flames, and the Anaheim Ducks Wah. at one, two, and three. Wah. Um. And then from then on, it goes Sharks, Kings. This is where it gets a bit weird because the last three, or at least the last two teams, the third team could be predicted, the Golden Knights and the Vancouver Canucks, who we expected good seasons from. Right now, the Golden Knights sitting at 6-6-0 six, six, and zero, and the Canucks sitting at 5-6-1. and one. Vegas is in a predicament of the injury bug has hit them really hard. They've lost Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, um, I think William Carlson's out with an injury. I think there's like one or two maybe on the blue line. So, I mean, that's what's hurt them. And then you take into consideration they just made a big trade. So now they've lost a little bit of their other depth. So they're going to be hurting. But I feel like if they just kind of take it as like, hey, just make the playoffs. We don't have to be number one. Just make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think they'll turn the ship around. Gun for the wild card. Yeah. Um, and then in last place in the Pacific, the Seattle crack, and you hate to see it. They're four, seven and one with nine points. Not awful. No, uh, but, but definitely pretty pedestrian. Their, their play though has surprised me. They have been a pretty competitive team. I think they've just been on the unfortunate end of some bad, either bad play, bad puck luck. Um, I, I, I think they're there. I don't know. If they're, they're a wild card team. I'd say. Um, it's just they haven't fully started clicking yet. And I think once that starts getting going, it's going to be pretty scary. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Um, mostly because I think their goaltending is going to pick up. They have two good goaltenders. Let's not, like, beat around the bush here. Yeah. Dredge um, is coming back, I think, tonight or tomorrow when the podcast drops. Yeah, one of one of the two uh, he's, he's going to be back in. They, they have a... I can't even say they have a good lineup. They just have a serviceable lineup, but guys that like to grind, like to get, like to get nasty, a little tenacious, which is always good to have on a hockey team. Um, and then also like, man, those fans are so excited about that team. It would be yeah. cool. It would be cool if they can make the playoffs. How, have you seen the, uh, the salmon toss? That they've been I doing? have seen the salmon toss. Uh, well, how got, do you feel about more that? fish on the ice now? I love now. it. Um, I love it. I feel like I feel like it was forced. I don't know. Uh, it seems unnatural to me. I don't know. I kind of like especially when um I read the story about like what it's about where uh they worked with a indigenous group of people to um put this whole thing together. They're doing it in honor of the fish market that's there, the the famous one that they did the the one pick. I think it was Jared McCann's pick. Yeah. Uh, did to honor that place. Um 
It's supposed to help promote, I think, um, like not the treating of salmon, but like how in integral they are to that community, especially the indigenous side. Well, yeah, salmon fishing is huge out in the Pacific Northwest. Um, every salmon, every year, they're going to have a different design of the salmon. Oh. So it's, they're going to design a new plush um, for all the different types of salmon there are. And nice. every salmon thrown is going to have a little fact tag uh, about, you know, different facts about salmon, which I thought was really cool. And kind of spreading, it actually kind of fits the theme of that arena when you consider it's a very, I mean, it, it's called the Climate Pledge Arena. So it's a very eco-friendly, you know, building for the most part. So I think it kind of just fits that overall theme of uh, going green and being very earth positive, for lack right. of a better way of putting it. Right. Um, which is cool. I like that they're kind of highlighting those things with it. Um, so I guess maybe it's not forced. Maybe I'm just talking out my ass because that's uh, that's something kind of cool, actually. I didn't know those so things. What, what I just did was I turned you into an asshole. <laughs> you did. You did. <laughs> Um, which is not the first time that's happened in my life. And it's definitely not gonna be the last time on this podcast, probably. Uh, <laughs> just thank you, Adam, for that. Thank you so much. Um, no problem. no problem. To move forward away from the divisions, let's get into the hockey news that we have, which Ooh. is a plenty. Uh, we're going to start off with Alex Ovechkin tying Bobby Hull's record, uh, sitting at number four with 741 goals for those Washington Capitals. Uh, he is looking to overtake that. Um, where probably when do they play tonight? Uh, no, no, they will play when this podcast is a day old against the Red Wings, uh, in Detroit. I could definitely see him, could definitely see him getting it done in Detroit. I could definitely see it. Uh, but congratulations to Ovi. The track is still going strong. Um, again, I, I stand by it. I think he's going to break. I think he's going to break the record. Oh, Absolutely. Now, if he if he does break the record, is there an argument as to who the goat is between Ovi and Wayne Gretzky? Well, I mean, it's one record. Gretzky still has what, like seven? Well, that and also you take away all of Gretzky's goals. He still holds the record for the most points. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think it's still Gretzky, but yeah, personally, I think there's no competition Ovi, whatsoever. If, Ovi, if anything else, will definitely plant his flag and forever be the best goal scorer the National Hockey League has ever seen. Yeah, if we're talking about pure goal scorer, I think that it's a, he gotta would be, be it's got to be Ovi. Just a and pure goal scorer. When you think about, especially recently, he scores in pretty much almost the same way every single time. It's from right, Ovi's office. Yeah, it's right off the, the faceoff circle, right in that corner one-timer through the net and no one's been able to be like hey maybe i should stand here just put somebody that is willing to block a shot and it's just be, it's because of on ov it's because he's so good at masking himself he'll work behind the net mm. he'll be skating up to where the d-men are he'll come through the middle but then he'll just do a nice gentle back skate to the dot everybody on the capitals knows where he's going to be so yeah. they're just going to send the puck over there um yeah the so the flyers played the capitals recently they ended up winning 2-1 and in the last seconds with the goalie pulled Ovi was in his office uncovered 
and the puck was going his way with two seconds left. And I went, oh, God, no, please. Here we go. <laughs> please, no. He whiffed. I don't know if the puck got tipped or something by a stick, but he whiffed. And I was yeah, like, like, that's a, it. That's a that's... little, like, pile of ice shavings right in front of the puck that it hit. I don't know what it was, but if he made contact with that puck, nine times out of ten, that's finding the back of the net. Um, so Always. we got lucky there. But uh, congratulations to Ovi on doing that. We will obviously keep track of how that keeps progressing as the season goes on. Would also like to send kudos and a congrats to Brady Kachuk, who ends Woo! up being the Senators' new captain. Um, they haven't had a captain since Eric Carlson in 2018. That sounds pretty right. I can't think of anyone that should have gotten the C after Carlson. Yes, they have not had a captain since the 2018 season. He becomes the 10th captain in franchise history. Um, the longest tenured captain being Daniel Alfredson from 1999 to 2013. Um, so good for him. It's a, it's a really good feeling to see a kid like that get the recognition I think he deserves uh, being basically the cornerstone of that entire franchise. I know like last in the off season, there was some, are is Brady Kachuk getting moved um, things, especially with the Eichel stuff going on, but Brady Kachuk honestly is the cornerstone of that franchise. They know yeah. it. He knows it. And now he gets to show it with the C on his chest. So congratulations to Brady Kachuk on being named the captain of the Ottawa senators. And as far as the future is concerned with this franchise, I'm excited to watch it. These kids yeah. are exciting. I don't know who's even on this team. I know they, they got, got Stutzel coming up. Yeah, they got Stutzel on the team now uh, with Brady. Oh, I forgot they had Tierney. Oh, I miss Chris Tierney. Yeah, and, you know, if they can just get a viable, good goaltender in a draft or a trade or something like that, this team could go places. They really could. Just need to bolster the defense and the goaltending, and this team becomes scary really fast. Yeah. Um, but congratulations to Brady on getting that captaincy. Um, also, let's get into arguably the biggest of the news. Buffalo Sabres, Jack Eichel, finally oh, yes. becomes free and gets traded to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. In return, Buffalo gets Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, a future first round pick and a future second rounder. Uh, Vegas will also get a future third round draft pick as part of the deal. All do conditional. You, do you think Buffalo got enough? No. But I don't think so either. When you consider a Vegas or Buffalo didn't retain any salary, that cuts into the value they could have gotten because you right. know, eight salary. The, the trades open up exponentially. I feel like if all 31 teams weren't already in on Eichel, all 31 teams would have been on Eichel if the Sabres said, yeah, we'll retain some salary. Right. Um, but that plays into it. The injury time definitely plays into it. Because, I mean, you're looking at it now, he's probably not going to be back until shortly after the Olympics, maybe not until playoffs. So, I mean, that's going to eat into whatever their return is going to be. But even then, it's kind of crazy that that's all they could get out of Vegas. Yeah, it's a little bit insane, especially when you start looking at the numbers. Uh, we'll start with Peyton Krebs here. N literally nothing kind of blows off the page in my eyes. 
Um, even when he played in the, the WHL, those numbers aren't incredible. His highest point total for a season was 68. Um, and even that year, he was at minus 50. Jesus Christ. A minus five zero. He was a minus 50 in that year. He had 68 points. And Damn. for the, the limited NHL time he's had, he's played a grand total of 13 NHL games. He has one assist for one point, two penalty minutes, and a minus five. Hmm. I haven't gotten to watch a lot of Vegas Golden Knight games, I'll admit. But is there hype around Peyton Krebs? He's a first-round draft pick, so I think that's kind of where that comes from. Yeah, but so is Nolan Patrick, and he stinks. Yeah, but I feel like Nolan Patrick has more going on physically than you know, what Peyton Krebs has like, Peyton, well, yeah, he just can't stay healthy, but yeah, that's, the, that's what I think is Nolan Patrick's problem. I think if he stays healthy, he's fine, which I back to the injury thing for Vegas, he's out injured. So, I mean, you right. know, it, neither here nor there Peyton Krebs, I think on a stacked Vegas team, he didn't have a chance to show what he can do because there was no room for him. Mm-hmm. He got 15 games in, but that's all probably because he filled in for an injured player here and there. It'll be interesting to see what he can do for a rebuilding Buffalo Sabres. Uh, granted, that minus 50 looks really bad, but that 68 points and 49 assists doesn't look that bad at all. True, true. But also that was in the WHL. Yeah. You got to think about it like that. Um, and then they also get Alex Tuck. And you look at Tuck's numbers. Other than that, you know, crazy first Vegas Golden Knights season, he where he had, um, he ended up having thirty seven points. He the next year had fifty two points and what was an absolutely outrageous offensive year for him. Other than that, the last two, <coughs> excuse me, the last two seasons, he hasn't even sniffed forty points. Let obviously, you know, shortened seasons, you get it, yeah. but like. Alex Tuck isn't that big of an acquisition either. I think, I mean, last season he hit 33. So, I mean, you know, he came close to that 40 mark you're talking about. Right. I think what it comes down to is he's a good offensive, he's almost a good uh, two-way guy. He can play and produce defensively and offensively when he needs to. Because if you look at his plus minuses, he's been majority plus for most of his NHL career at a plus 19. So, I mean, I think that's where his value really comes in, which I think Buffalo also kind of, kind of need. Uh, they have Jess, Jess Skinner, who you could argue if he gets somebody that could feed him the puck could come back to a goal scoring place. Mm-hmm. You get Casey Middlestat, Dylan Cousins producing at a point pace. I think all you got to do is then build around that and get guys that can, keep the puck out of their own end. And I think Buffalo becomes something. I guess, but here's my thing. This might be very money ball of me. For those of you that have seen the movie, you're not going to be able to replace Jack Eichel. That's a fact. So what, so what must you do? You must find enough players to equal a Jack Eichel. Peyton Krabs and Alex Tuck do not equal Jack Eichel. No, but who they draft in 22, 23, could help those two also equal Jack Eichel. I mean, hopefully for the Sabres' sake, but... I mean, you you figure it's Vegas, so the pick isn't going to be 
top 10. And if it is top 10, it, you know, it becomes wonky because then picks are changing to different years and this, that, the other thing. Odds are it's going to be a mid to low end first rounder if we're being sick. But if they scout well enough, they could find themselves a gem that could help that team produce. And it almost be like Jack Eichel never left. You never know. Hockey's weird like that. Hockey is weird like that. And I don't really know about this year's draft class or anything like that. So I know to look deeper into that, but two players and Buffalo might get them just because of their own pick and not because of the Vegas pick. Right. Right. Um, I don't know, but in my own opinion, I really think Buffalo could have gotten more, Uh, but, but also I think the case stands to reason Earlier in the process, they definitely could have gotten more, but it was so late in the process, the value kept dwindling consistently. And then you factor in the pressure that might have been thrown on because of the Matthew Kachuk debacle. I'll call that because it wasn't a real trade from what all accounts seemingly have come out now. Sounds like a week C might have gotten played a little bit. Yeah. Um, But I think that also kind of set Buffalo's expectations pretty high. It's like, oh, we can get a Matthew Kachuk. Yes, please. And now you've got Alex Tuck and others. This mm-hmm. is what you got. So I think that kind of shades the trade a little bit. But hockey's weird. And we're really not going to know what the returns of this trade are going to be until the end. But the saying goes, you know, whoever gets the best player in the trade usually wins the trade. Vegas wins this trade every day of the week. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can agree with you there. I can agree with you. Um, all right. Well, that was the Eichel deal. He's finally free, which is good for him and good for the Buffalo Sabres organization. Did Everybody see, can move on. Did you see the the parade? Parade, I'm, I put quotes around that because it wasn't really a parade, but did you see his welcoming to Vegas? I mean, you uh, Vegas couldn't have done more to no. make it a spectacle, <laughs> honestly. Um, it was aggressive to say the least i was like is this is this necessary that's vegas though it is it's what they do and it's what the city's about and i appreciate it i respect them sticking to what they are you know being the the the, being the party that they are that in that city so you want to know what good for them to staying true to who they are uh i can respect it at the same time i was like this seems like a bit much so that's uh, it who do they get now (laughs) it's in on the big fish yeah, they, well, the next big fish next? to drop, I'm sure, will be theirs. Uh, I'm expecting, uh, which one is it? Is it Rantanen or McKinnon who's up? Uh, uh, it might be Rantanen. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to be a golden knight. Uh, <laughs> pretty much know. any of the big fish in the pond, are, they're probably going to end up in Vegas. They love doing that. So uh, we'll be interested to see what Vegas acquires next, and especially how Jack Eichel ends up doing in a Vegas Golden Knight jersey. That will be something to witness whenever that happens. But right now, it's just good to know that he is going to be getting the surgery he wants. Yes, absolutely. And I think I found your uh, your next big fish. Oh, boy. Here we go. What? Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask. Quite possibly. And we'll be talking they about need... Tuka yeah, here shortly. Um, but let's move forward here. Um, we have pretty much the entire league's owners and a lot of people outside the league for some reason or another, you can, it's a massive list who want Gary Bettman to be fired. The, the list of things that he has mishandled in his time as NHL commissioner 
it is endless. Uh, you, we can go to the to the strikes. We could go to the way he's mishandled so many PR things, how he has no finger on a pulse of any sort of growing of the game. Um, he's pretty much failed on all fronts. There's a reason he's always booed at the draft. Uh, Gary Bettman, I personally, I think needs to be fired. It's just, it's become so bad, especially with the Blackhawks situation. He's doing everything so wrong as far as saving face for the NHL and trying to grow the game of hockey. It, it's time to move forward with a, with a new commissioner of the NHL. Uh, but what's your opinion on that, Adam? I think I could probably agree with you. Um, it's just gotten to a point where he really does seem out of touch with what's going on. I don't know if it is an age thing. I don't know if it's just how it's always been. Cause I never, I never hopped on and I can say this with just about every sport. Um, I've never really hopped on or truly understood the, the idea of booing the commissioner considering like they're kind of the ones that like, are able to give us the sports that we watch and cheer for the teams we cheer for the, that the, the end all be all, but they're kind of the ones that are like, here's your product that you can cheer for kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I never was one to, you know, boo, unless I was doing it as, you know, tongue in cheek, like, Hey, yeah. Boo, 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 Batman. Woo. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. That's just me. Um, But just seeing how things have played out, with the whole Blackhawk situation and everything else, I can agree. I think it might be time to move on. And I was looking for the tweet from Alan Walsh, which I think I found um, in regards to this, if you want to hear uh, his thoughts on the matter. I would love to. All right. So for those of you that don't know, Alan Walsh is a uh, player agent, uh, Agent for currently Mark Andre Fleury. I, I don't know who any, who else he's um, active with, um, but very outspoken uh, agent. He's the one that put out that infamous picture of Fleury with the sword, threw him in the Vegas Golden Knights thing with Robin Leonard. That whole debacle. So very outspoken. Of course, uh, yes. tweeted back in November on November second. I'm hearing this morning that several NHL owners are quote very concerned and unhappy with Gary Bettman's leadership. I think even the owners realize it's time for a change in the NHL and culture only changes from the top down. It's time to fire Bettman from the way Gary has mismanaged the horrific events in Chicago to his refusing to acknowledge a link between traumatic brain injury and CTE for doing nothing to help retired players for calling the NHL a family for the department of player uh, suspensions for the way the game is marketed for the lack of any coherent global strategy for turning his back on issues like painkiller, ambient, and Toradol abuse, for his lack of empathy and caring, for his three lockouts and all the lies, it's time for Gary to go. So, I mean, that pretty much spells out everything you might need to know if you didn't already know what people's problems with Gary Bettman are. And it seems like there's a lot there that is pretty true when you consider everything that's happened in the NHL recently, especially on that uh, substance abuse. Yeah, like I said, uh, the things that he has completely failed to do, the list is almost endless. Um, and on top of that, uh, recently, Rick Westhead, again, who's been doing an incredible job, uh, from TSN, got
got to do an interview with the mother of John Doe too. That would be the high school student that uh, Aldrich assaulted and went to jail for. Uh, has uh, they were able to do an interview. And a statement from John Doe 2's mother was, quote, I think Bettman needs a new job that he needs to retire. I don't think he has empathy for kids or even young adults. And if he needs more information, I got a whole folder full of it here for him that he can read. I've got the court documents of the conviction. If he needs more information to help my son, I have it. And that kind of references how when he was asked about it in his press conference, he said he needs to wait for more information to become available. Basically ignoring everything that he can. And he's a lawyer, so he's going to do the lawyer thing. He's going to deflect everything. But that's the problem. We don't need a lawyer. We don't need a lawyer. We need somebody that has compassion for young athletes and the kids of the game. And he has none of that. He doesn't care. He cares about saving the NHL's PR face, basically. And even then, he's doing a terrible job. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not a bad mindset to have, if I'm honest. To, you know, look for the league's PR um, to a degree. But at the same time, you have to take every other issue encompassing that and then mold and try and make things better so your PR also looks good. Right. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself where they are now, constantly sticking your foot in your mouth, saying things like, I need more information. Um, or, you know, I can't commit to something until I know more. All that stuff, it doesn't do you any good. You may think it does, but you're really hurting yourself more than you may think. And it also doesn't do the league any good at all, Um, just aside from himself or whatever. Uh, It's just, it's so bad, the job that he has been doing for many years. And now it's just getting astronomically worse So I agree with a lot of uh, commentators on the NHL and with a lot of the owners and uh, also Alan Walsh, who is a, uh, an agent for NHL players in agreeing that I think it is time to fire Gary Bettman. Finally for it to happen. Finally, I feel like it's been a thing forever, but it needs to happen. My, my only issue with that is like, there's no, there's no good time for this to happen. No, that's the problem. If you do it now, you're scrambling to get somebody in there at some point before the end of the season, which, you know, this isn't something you should rush into filling. You need to get, you know, the right guy for the job. And odds are if we fire Bettman now, I could easily see uh, Bill Daly becoming the, I guess if, that, if there is such a position, the interim commissioner, unless you right. want to out Bill Daly too. Because, I mean, I, I said this when – the whole Aldridge thing started heads are going to roll on all accounts. And I think I didn't necessarily mean the commissioner when I said that, but here we are, but it stands to reason at this point. Exactly. So, I mean, if you're going to go after Batman, then you got to go after daily. You're going to go after daily. Who else in that organization do you need to start looking at? I mean, they're already looking at the NHLPA. Mm-hmm. Like the only other organization you could pick a new commissioner from. Agreed. Um, so, and at that point, who do you have to choose from there? Because also, also the NHLPA is on the on the hook right exactly. now for mishandling the situation. So I think what I'm actually saying is, uh, Bing, you, me, and Fish, new commissioners of the NHL. Uh, we're we're the only obvious replacements. Uh, to of be course. honest with you, so, I, I feel um, like I'll be waiting for the letter in the mail. 
from the league. So uh, I don't know who the owner of the NHL is. Uh, I'm going to assume it's Mr. Uh, John Hockey League. So Mr. John, John Hockey League, please uh, reach out to us at on the power play. I believe our email is uh, otpppod at gmail.com. You feel free to to email us uh, the yes, information uh, that we need. Slide slide into our DMs. Slide into our DMs if that's how you want to go about it. Reach out to uh, Southside Productions. Uh, they have our direct line of contact. Uh, coordinate yeah. with you. Have your people reach out to our people. You know, exactly. that's basically what we're getting John, at here. John, we're, we're good hockey people. It's fine. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We promise. Can I call you John? I feel like Mr. I can call you John. Mr. League. Mr. League, sir. Um, also, in other news, as far as administration issues, the Anaheim Ducks put longtime general manager and assistant vice president Bob Murray on administrative league, uh, league, yeah, administrative, administrative leave uh, today. Uh, That's Tuesday. Uh, the only statement they released was, quote, we recently became aware of accusations of improper professional conduct against Bob Murray. After internal review, we enlisted Shepard Mullen to perform an independent investigation. Upon recommendation from their initial findings, we have decided to place Bob on administrative leave pending final results. So that'll be something we have to look at, too, because we don't even know the specifics of what that misconduct is. Um, actually, I do. Breaking news. Oh, do you? Okay. Did that, did that just break and I missed it? Our good buddy Jeff Quake posted in Big our Jeff. Uh, group chat. Uh, a tweet from NHL watcher quoting Chris Dredger on insider trading saying, quote, it sounds like according to source that the allegations are based on how Bob Murray, GM of the Anaheim Ducks, dealt with coaches, staff members, the threatening of job security, allegations of aberration, that type of behavior. I don't know what that last one means because I'm low key stupid. Aberration. Um the dictionary meaning is the act of departing from the right, normal, or usual course. The act of deviating from the ordinary, usual, or normal okay. type. Deviation from truth or moral rectitude. So I guess doing things that are outside the normal realm of, I guess, general managers. To what he would be doing, yes. Um, so, so that is something we'll have to keep track of because the Anaheim Ducks are currently being very tight-lipped about it. So we will move forward from that as we barely know anything. Uh, and at this point in the episode, we're going to be getting into a lot of goalie stuff. So that excites the hell out of me. Um, instead, of, <laughs> instead of Bing's betting quarter, it's Bing's goalie corner. The BG. Bing's goalie corner. The BG, uh, see, Yes, exactly. Um, we're going to start with Tuka Rask, who I know you haven't heard his name recently, and that's because he's still without a contract. He is currently practicing at the Bruins facility. <gasps> Excuse me. Uh, he's rehabbing... Um, I believe a hip injury. He had surgery in July, um, but he was spotted by a WBZ cameraman in full equipment and training with the Bruins assistant coach, Bob Essensa. So that's interesting that he's still training with the Bruins, but there's no contract in place as of right now. And also you want to take a look at the goaltenders they have now. And if you would benefit the team coming on right now, they have Jeremy Swayman, and Linus Olmark in net. Right now, their statistics, uh, Swayman's played four games. He's got a 2-2-8 goals against and a 900 save percentage, so not terrible. Um, he's a very young, kind of unproven goaltender. Uh, and then they also have the likes of a Linus Olmark, who right now, sitting at five games played, 
259 goals against and a 918 save percentage. Their two goalies aren't playing terribly. And Tuka Rats is coming off hip surgery at 34 years old. Do you think it's worth it for the Bruins to bring him back with a contract? I don't honestly know because I'm sitting here while you're reading those stats off thinking like, all right, so hypothetically, if Tuka Rats comes back, Swayman isn't the kind of player right now I think that gets sent down to Providence. Like, and those stats kind of back that theory up to me. Like, he doesn't sound like someone that you would send back to the minors. Right. Just because Tuka's coming in. And Linus Olmark is definitely not going anywhere. If I'm, yeah. Boston, I'm keeping Olmark. So do you trade Swayman? And if you trade Swayman, then you're trading, hypothetically, the goaltender of your future. Because what Olmark's 28? Uh, Linus Olmark is 28 years old. And Jeremy Eight. Swayman is 22. Yeah, so if you're trading Swayman, you're trading your goaltender of the future. I mean, Olmark will last you, say, what, till he's 36, maybe, if he sticks around? Yeah. Right? Goalies, goalies tend to stick around a little bit longer than uh, skaters do. So, I mean, you could go there. Do you bring Tuca in as your third in case one of the two go down? But, I, I mean, Tuca would want to leave, you know, his career as a – a Bruin, I'm sure, but I don't think he wants to do it as a, a bench warmer. Exactly. Um, for me, I think the best outcome for the two parties would for there to be a small contract signed by the Bruins and the Bruins trade Tuca to get something back for him because he's not an age, he's not a free agent, or is he? He's a restricted free agent, right? He wouldn't be restricted. He's too old to be restricted. Okay, so he's an unrestricted free agent uh, with is no contracts. Ref- Oh, he is a free agent. That's right. I think. I think well, he's a- got no contract, so you'd have to be, right? Yeah, true. You're right. That's how. That's generally how contracts work out. Yeah, usually. Usually that's how that works out. Um, so maybe they reach a one-year deal, and then they just go shopping Tuca to see if they can get anything back for him. But right now, if I'm Tuca Rask, I'm taking any call that I can to get a job. Because right now, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Allmark look like they have pretty much a stranglehold on the job yeah i'd say so i mean like like the only thing i would improve on is swayman's numbers but it's still early enough in the season that those could easily kick up if you know they get on a hot streak yeah so i don't know and boston's sporting a 1.8 million dollar cap or in cap space so, I mean, if anything, Tuca would likely take a, a league minimum deal. More than likely, and that's if the Bruins re-sign him to, to deal him. You know what? I'm saying it. Vegas, baby. <laughs> Vegas, baby. Uh, it, it'd be put an interesting on, fit. Put it'd him on LTIR. Put him on LTIR, exactly. Vegas Save is going to pull. I mean, they're already doing it. They're basically doing what Tampa did last season. Why would you not? It worked. Exactly. It worked. saying anything. Um, not illegal. So that's something interesting that we'll keep track of as that goes on, because you're like, what do you do if you're the Bruins here? And especially what do you do if you're Tuca? You're training with the, with the guys at the facility, you're training with those coaches. You've been there your entire career, basically. Yeah. Even though, even though Unless, for a small term, he was a Toronto Maple Leaf, but I mean, he's practicing and he's working the hip out. There's a very good chance, too, that he discovers the hip is nowhere where it needs to be 
for him to come back, and he just decides he'll sign a one-day contract and retire. That is true. Um, but I don't think he's at retirement level, you know? Well, it depends how bad the hip is. I mean, you're you're the goalie guy here. You kind of – I mean, you suffered through the injuries too, so you kind of have a, a general idea. Not a hip, obviously, but like – But a knee, yeah. Oh, exactly. So you kind of know where your body needs to be, so – I don't know. Maybe you, you know something I don't. I feel like depending on if this hip doesn't come back to 100%. I mean, if it was you in this position, I imagine you'd spring back a little bit better from the hip injury than Tuca, who's 34. Right. 34? 34. 34 years old. I know my ages. They look at you go. Um, speaking, you know, candidly, yeah, but. You also have to think, I don't think he's done, you know? I, I think he could still realistically keep playing, maybe not at the same level, but he could be a benefit to a team. But I just don't think he'd be a benefit to the Bruins. Uh, yeah, and not now, I don't think. I think the Bruins have their goalie tandem for the foreseeable future, two young guys playing good hockey. So, um, and uh, they have so many other contracts to worry about keeping mm. that team together. Where, so let's play the game of where does Tuka go? Because I'm looking at actually one team that kind of needs a goal. I'm looking at Colorado. Interesting. That's not who I was looking at. I I'm was, looking. I'm looking directly at Colorado. I'm looking at Edmonton. Oh. You have piqued my interest. They need a goalie. They're fighting and seemingly if, you know, Vegas's injury woes continue at a first place run at the, the Pacific division. Mm-hmm. I don't think Koskinen and Mike Smith are going to help them sustain that. Mike Smith, I think, will. Koskinen, I Koskinen don't not so much. I don't think he's all that good. So... A Tuka Rask, I actually heard an even more interesting theory, which I think oh. I talk about. I'm not sure if it was in the cards. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury. Hmm. Because I mean, Chicago's in, you know, not great places. They no. are to sell from all accounts. It seems like just about everybody is open, some more so than others. But Imagine a Marc-Andre Fleury seemingly on like the last year of his career. Where do you want to play with the best player in the league, Connor McDavid? These are interesting thoughts you have here. Things that I don't want to have happen. (laughs) One of them I stole. The other one was completely, you know, original. But hey, they do. And Tukaraz could honestly help that team. Yeah, I, just, I don't think there that he would be a benefit to the Bruins. So I could I could see something like that happening, but I still am staring Colorado in the face and being like, That's, you, yeah. you and I both know Darcy Kemper is not that good. He's good, but he's not that good. You need a one B for Darcy Kemper to be everything that Darcy Kemper can be, and that one B could be Tuukka Rask. Could it also be Mark Andre Fleury? Could it also be Mark Andre Fleury? <laughs> We don't know <laughs> the two guys that basically the two guys that basically owned the Eastern Conference for many years, yeah. kind of uh, in in odd sorts now. Um, speaking of guys that owned the Eastern Conference, 
goaltender Carey Price, uh, we do know he returned yes. to the Montreal Canadiens organization, but he did release a statement. It says here, quote, over the last few years, I have let myself get to a very dark place and I didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. Last month, I made the decision to enter a residential treatment facility for substance use. Things had reached a point and I realized I needed to prioritize my health for both myself and for my family. Asking for help when you need it is what we encourage our kids to do, and it was what I needed to do. I'm working through years of neglecting my own mental health, which will take some time to repair. All I can do is take it day by day. With that comes some uncertainty with when I will return to play. I appreciate all of the overwhelming support and well wishes. I please ask that the media and our hockey community continue to respect our privacy at this time. Your support and respect of this so far has been a critical piece of my recovery. So it's looking like Carey Price is still not going to be returning to play anytime soon. Um, but now we do know that it ended up being substance usage and abuse, um, which, again, we already talked about with the Gary Bettman thing, is looking like a massive problem within the confines of the NHL. And I'm looking directly into Vegas and Robin Leonard. Yeah. What more does he know? Because... It's very bizarre looking back at that tweet and seeing everything that's played out since then. <laughs> I don't I don't think it's bizarre do as much I don't think it's bizarre as much as it's he was the first one willing to blow right, the whistle to, on the league and then everything hit the I, fan. I th- when I say bizarre it's not it's probably the wrong word to use. It's just crazy to me that he drops that, he blows that whistle, and then all the other domino pieces fall after that. Well, I mean, the reason for the term whistleblower is because when you blow the whistle, everybody starts looking. Mm, And now everybody's finding what he was blowing the whistle on because they're looking. Before, nobody was looking. Now, everybody's looking, and a lot of players, including Carey Price, are looking inside themselves and being like, yeah. I need to take care of myself before I die of substance abuse, much yeah. like a friend of seem, seemingly everybody in the league and a huge um, influencer in the hockey community, Jimmy Hayes. Yeah. You know, and it just goes to show Robin Leonard knows a lot more than we think he knew. And he was willing to put himself and his career on the line to save people. And I think that's something that was discounted from what a lot of people were saying originally to his comments. So I'll redact anything negative I said about Robin Leonard about what happened at the time. We were just reacting to what we knew. Knowing what we know now, he did the league and all of his fellow players a massive, massive favor. Absolutely. I mean, maybe not so much the league, but definitely his fellow players and organizations he did such a huge favor to blow the whistle on these problems because now more problems are being revealed. Those mm. problems being things that need to be fixed. And I think it's good too. Cause I mean, you definitely see a lot of players taking that into account now. I mean, Dylan Larkin just came, I think he came back from his self-imposed leave mm-hmm. and on the ice. So, but the prevalence of the players taking their own mental health and whatever other problems they have into consideration over their playing careers is a, a refreshing look to see, especially coming out of the uh, tumult- 
no, I'm not. I was going to try to use a big word. Um, Tumultuous. There you go. Thank you. Uh, time of the league with the pandemic and everything else. I think a lot of um, introspection was done for a lot of guys in the league, especially goalies. Mm-hmm. And not for nothing, I think that's the most stressful job in any sport. It's one of, other than pitching, I would say, in baseball, it is one of the most mentally tough positions in major sports. I mean, I played uh, for fun in high school gym class, goalie in uh, floor hockey, and I also did it for a little bit when we dabbled in lacrosse. And I wanted to chuck my lacrosse stick across the gym floor because I was so bad at it. I was good at hockey, not good at lacrosse. Yeah, lacrosse goaltending is tough. I, I also did that for a little bit. That it is, it is much tougher. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it really goes to show that a lot of players needed to do some introspection and look at themselves and have to step away. And I think it's a good thing. I, I think a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of people should do the same, uh, not just professional athletes. Uh, but to move forward, our last little goaltending bit here, I didn't even bring this up in the pre-show because oh, uh, I just surprise. remembered it. I'm hitting you with a bit of surprise here. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, as we know, mm. kind of having a tough year, but he outsourced for a new mask. And this new mask oh. is one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at it. I have but not. I'm going to have to look for that right now. It is an homage to the Native American heritage in the Illinois region. He outsourced to um, an Ojibwe uh, artist, uh, that is one of the tribes, uh, Patrick Hunter, to recognize and celebrate the month, which is uh, uh, Native American Heritage Month, that's November, uh, with his special edition mask. And here's, here's what it reads. Um, so this is from the artist. My wife's family is Abenaki and Mi'kmaq. I am butchering those and I apologize. Descent. And I wanted to do something special to recognize and celebrate Native American Heritage Month. Uh, that's what Mark andre Fleury said. My correction. Uh, I was lucky enough to work with Native uh, artist Patrick Hunter on a special edition mask. And I love his design, especially the inclusion of the flowers and feathers. Now, the feathers, you would think, just look cool. In fact, they mean so much more. Uh, the design of the uh, the design features uh, have seven feathers uniquely designed, representing the seven grandfather teachings for indigenous communities around the Great Lakes: wisdom, love, respect, bravery, honesty, humility, and truth. It also features flowers across the mask as a link between different indigenous cultures. Also, his nickname, Flower. Um, it worked out perfectly with the Blackhawks because uh, their logo involves feathers and the respect for Native American culture. Um, and uh, his obviously his last name is is flower in French. Uh, so this mask is one of the most beautifully done art pieces and such a cool thing to do from Marc-Andre Fleury and from artist Patrick Hunter that I just felt like I had to talk about on the podcast because it is immaculate. If you haven't gotten the chance to see it, Google it. It is incredible. Yeah, I love, I'm looking at it right now. It's, I like the super simplistic look of it yeah not over the top which i mean there's some pretty good over the top goalie masks out there um but it's something about the simplistic design behind it that just it looks like you said beautiful and immaculate i kind of want it how has the league 
not dabbled in selling replica goalie masks. I don't know, but they could make a killing off of that. I, I would mean, buy res- a replica of this. I would. Wrestling sells lucha masks and they make a killing. So why hasn't the league dipped into this? John, what are you doing? John, John buddy, John, you need us. You need Please. us, John Hockey League, okay? <laughs> you need us. That's right. I used your full name, middle name included. This is the best, worst bit we ever came up with. It is a terrible bit. It is a terrible bit. We're going to keep going with it. Um, speaking of terrible John. bits, let's wrap up this episode with the BBC Bing's <laughs> Betting Corner. Uh, tonight, Wednesday, November 10th, the day this Ooh. episode drops. We got three games on deck for you. One of them I will be at. Uh, the Maple Leafs and the Philadelphia Flyers will play at 730. In this game, I'm just telling you right now, I like the Flyers. I know they're the underdog. I'm pretty sure. Let me double check that. Actually, I don't want to be giving you guys false falsehoods here. Um, I remember, as I say, as I say, these bet lines they are as they stand right now. So as of uh, November 9th, as of November 9th at 8:30 p.m. Um, so don't quote me if they change. But and if they do change, quote them anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> he thinks. Um, <laughs> Very, very helpful, you, Adam. Buddy. Thank you so much. Um, Love you, buddy. Yeah, so the Flyers are a 114-point uh, underdog sitting at plus 114. Sounds about right. I like them in this game because they play well at home, and also I just I like the matchup. I don't know what – I like the Toronto Maple Leafs are obviously a good team, but the Flyers play well at home, and they're coming off a big win against a good Capitals team, and they're going to take that momentum after some break time too – where they got to do a bunch of off-ice stuff as a team together. Uh, there was a bunch of pictures of them at the Eagles game together, which is super cool. So I, I like the Flyers in this game personally. Uh, so that is going to be my money line for the evening. My puck line for the evening, I'm going to look towards the Nashville Predators Dallas Stars. I like Nashville to cover the plus one and a half. I think that they not only will cover the plus one and a half, but they will win the game. Uh, I'm not quite sure how the Dallas Stars are favored in this one. I know they're tight in that division, but I think Nashville's just the better team right now. Yeah, um, I agree. So I like them to cover that one and a half spread. Um, and then last but not least, looking at the over under Minnesota, Arizona, life is too short to bet the under. Go with the over right now, sitting at six and a half. I like Jesus. it. I think there's going to be a lot of goal scoring in this game. I think seven goals is definitely on the table. I think most of the goal scoring is actually going to be done by Minnesota. I expect this game to be a 6-1, 6-2 game. Uh, so I like the over in that game. And that was That's... the Bing betting corner of the BBC. Uh, that'll do it for this episode, Adam, unless you got anything else. I don't believe so. I don't think I have any breaking news. All righty. Well, thanks again, everybody, for listening. As always, thank you for listening to On the Power Play. We love it when you guys listen, share with your friends, listen to it twice. Get us those listens. The road to 1,000 listens is on. We're at the 900 mark right now. Let's get there. Let's do it as a unit. Share it with your friends. Put it in the group chat. Rate us five stars. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can get it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go follow us on Twitter and Instagram as well, at OTPPPod. 
And after you follow us, click that little link that we have in our bios and go buy our merch. We got so much cool stuff there. We got everything you're going to need for the winter. We got blankets, sweatshirts, hats, you name it. We got it on the merch store. Go support us. Wear us around town. People will ask and you'll say, yeah, it's this really fucking cool podcast to listen to all about hockey. These guys rock. Again, thank you for listening. We out.